Welcome to Conversation with Timor Silas. This podcast explores the journey behind some of Africans' emerging creatives, entrepreneurs, startup and small businesses. The Conversation with Timor Silas profiles the most talented creative entrepreneurs and high-performing executives with the purpose of driving insights, learning and tactics to help you build the products, business and life that you believe in. Without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Hi, Jamal. Thank you for uh, having me on the podcast. I think I actually planned this podcast like a week, mm-hmm. two weeks now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Anyways, for those on the podcast, my name is Kenneth. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, as I said, a tech bro. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a full stack developer. Right. You know, say tech bro, they get money, sha. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But I believe you have money. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't know for that. I think so. I don't know. Right. So, uh, welcome, Kenneth. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm, this conversation is a look up to because um, I've been seeing you've been doing amazing, amazing jobs with um, clients here in Nigeria and outside, um, outside our country. Like... Um, in every in different in different space, I I learned you moved into um crypto. I think we're going to touch on that, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. um I, f- I feel like it's a very exciting area for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but before we get to that, um, Kenneth, can you share your background story, and um, how you came up? Okay, so I think um, I actually started. I actually stepped into the tech space after I was done with secondary school. Right. So I think that was like seven years ago. I initially didn't start as a developer, mm-hmm. or rather like a um doing WordPress, researching on uh, movies and all this kind of stuff. Okay. But it was just computer based, and I think five years ago I actually became a full stack a developer in tech right. at um Code Cafe Interactive. Mm-hmm. And I think from there to now, I've actually been writing different languages, frameworks, and working on different uh, numerous projects as a developer, both front end and back end. Yeah. Okay, so that's in the space of how um how many years? Yeah. Okay, that's in the space of five years. I think I actually be- I was a slow um slow learner, so. Actually, it took me a while. To Is there a quicker learn. way to learn this thing that you be uh that you get everything uh, everything you've gotten in a shorter period of time? Mm, I think I I think at my start I wasn't like exposed to, um, I was exposed to resources, but I didn't have like a proper structure. Okay. On how to grab back coding. Okay. So, I could have done it way faster if I had the um, resources that these youngsters have nowadays. So. Oh, oh. I I have um uh, I think in in product design we call uh, a no code background right but you can like put together a website in your head <laughs> right yeah. so but I can I I've seen like a couple of videos that that says okay an easier way to enter into programming is go through um go through a python from python you learn a little bit of javascript from javascript you learn it is okay. that is that okay. like yeah right yeah, no, 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 that's not, that's not how i started mm. yeah i know i think 
Does that work nowadays? I don't know. Oh, is, he, is it outdated? Sure, yeah. I checked out the outdated. <laughs> I don't know outdated. Right? Yeah, I think everybody nowadays focuses on machine learning and, and artificial intelligence. So I think the first approach for them is like Python. Right, right. But I think back in the day, everybody, um, web, web was like actually a new thing. Okay. And okay. everybody was pushing to get um, web designs out, mm-hmm. products are based out. So it was first step was actually to learn HTML because that was like the backbone of um, develop, developing a web. Okay. And then the next step was going to CSS. You mm-hmm. had to learn JavaScript. Then right. based on what you want to move next, you want to be a front-end developer mm-hmm. or you want to be a back-end developer, you can learn PHP. I think at that point in time, at least when I started, right. PHP was like the go-to language for oh. a back-end developer. Oh, okay. But I think over time, people started adopting Node.js, JavaScript. Right. right. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. Python was like a bonus when you actually say, okay, you want to advance from web development into um, probably security and um, machine learning. Machine learning. Oh, I see. Oh, because I, I was looking at the easiest entry into development and the guy said that if he had to like start again, after start afresh, mm-hmm. he would go through Python, PHP, um, oh, okay. Python, I, um, Java. And then go you back can, to you, you can actually code um, web product in Python, right? But I think for me it's like an overkill because oh, okay. Python is like it's more like you using um I don't know I, I don't know the analogy to use but it's overkill. Okay. You yeah. can it's it's there's more you can actually do with Python right than having to um build web. Okay. Product. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That's cool. So, um, for the non-technical folks, um, that is just to at least help you have conversations when next year talking to a developer and stuff. So, um, so however, what's your um? <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I think you talked a bit about your um your development career growth and um how you grew. But can you shed a little light on um how you grew over time, and um okay, um two seventeen I think yeah. May two seventeen yeah <laughs> when I actually left being a DJ I think I was a DJ for a while All right so I was like I think this wasn't actually going anywhere for me so mm-hmm. I actually joined um Code Interactive as an intern All right yeah so as I actually mentioned earlier that I was a slow learner mm-hmm. yes I did. Slowly in the sense of, I actually got HTML CSS quickly, mm-hmm. but um, my boss at that time wanted me to focus on backing, okay. and learning PHP was stressful. Oh. Yeah, like I, could, I couldn't wrap my head around how to um, make data queries and all those kind of PHP related stuff, so it took me like a year plus oh. to learn PHP, yeah. So I actually finally wrapped my head around it in... Um, 2019 when my boss told me that I'm, I needed to join the team. Uh, if I don't actually step up my game, then I will have to leave or join the team. So I stepped up my game, picked up a couple of products and I was made a junior developer in 2019. Then I think from there actually my career went upwards. I'm middle of the year, mid, um, mid to 19, I actually became a senior developer then migrated to a lead developer in 2020 okay. where I was actually managing a small team I wasn't actually 
calling people. Mm. Yeah, I think that was like a peak of my career mm. as a good cargo staff. Oh, great. Um, I learned you moved from code cargo to work on your own personal stuff and also personal projects. Yeah. How, um, how has it been for you and um, what informed that decision? Yeah. Mm, I think at first, um, I think the direction that the company was going to, I wouldn't really say direction, but I think I, I was like getting um, tired, I would say tired of constantly writing the code that I had to write the kind of product I was building. Okay. Yeah, it was more like it wasn't really innovative for me as after a while mm-hmm. because it was picking up the same direction, build a product that is an e-commerce product, mm-hmm. a logistic company product and that line of this thing was what happened for what I was doing for going to four years. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So at some point it became boring. Oh right. Yeah. So I think I left good cover out of the fact that I couldn't Mm. Um, I didn't find what I was doing entertaining or innovative for innovative me. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Right. So you wanted like to pick up more challenges. Too. Yeah, yeah. I think um, if I actually had in my head, if I actually had continued in the parts that I was using, yeah. I was taking. Yeah. I was going to keep on wasting a whole lot of time. Right. And with the way I set out my goals, they were going to seriously ruin my plans. Yeah. Right, so how has that been for you? Are you um, after that, have you been able to work on exciting projects? And um, are you like creating tasks for yourself to work on? Because again, it's um, client-based um, task or stuff. Okay, I think I, I'm, when I actually left Code Cargo, I joined, I became a contract developer. Okay. Now, contract developer in the sense of, I, I was very selective of the things I picked up. Right. And um, I, I wanted to go into the crypto space as blockchain mm-hmm. development. So I tried to focus my jobs on um, crypto related jobs. Yeah. And also wanted to, um, I want to expand my article writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to expand my article writing. So I actually picked up a whole lot of article jobs. Okay. To, yeah. yeah. So I think. Um, that is very challenging because now doing a nine to five job, which I was doing at Good Cover Interactive, it gave me this focus yeah. that I actually wanted because once you, you clock in, you have to work to your yeah, to that time. To yes. your time yeah. So now so you have to manage yourself. Yeah, and mm-hmm. in the environment that I was in Good Cover, everybody was coding, everybody was working. working. Now, staying at home and working remotely. No way actually really supervising you, mm-hmm. so you can yeah. actually like turn up your data and yeah, so it was very challenging because it you had to I had to do an extra push, like motivate myself enough to get up yeah. and deliver some tasks, do some tasks, get things done. Right. So I think that, that was very challenging. Yeah, it's very challenging. Um and um I have had conversations about um your approach remote work. But what's your thoughts about remote work? Do you um I think you've had like um three to four months into remote work, right? Yeah. Working in, at home. Um what's your thought about it? Do you think it is the way to go? Because I I know companies have had to bring their staffs in, most of their technical staffs in because of their productivity level. And also we know the challenges okay. that yeah. developers have with management managing them remotely. So Okay. 
I think first you have to go back to how um, the pandemic changed the way people walk. Right. You get so. I think back then it was a very challenging thing to walk remotely mm-hmm. because, um, in as much as the way technologies yeah. that supported remote walks, mm-hmm. a lot of companies didn't adopt them. Yeah. And um, a lot of people were not very ignorant or were not aware of those products and yeah, those services that were being rendered and those things. So I think the pandemic actually changed the way people saw remote works and I think it made it much more easier for people to work remotely. Right. So um now with technologies like I um I can mention a few like Dropbox, okay. Um Trello. Trello is a a um, project management a project management yeah. platform. Yeah. yeah. So you can create cards and assign to people and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So with those kind of um product no. It was easy for people to collaborate on projects depending on whichever um, location they were, where they were working in different countries. Right. So I think um, one challenge is still um, time zones. Yeah. So time zones can be very hectic, especially for someone like me who actually do some foreign jobs right. because I have to stay up at night mm-hmm. because that's when my boss like, wakes up and all those kind of stuff. Or um, there could be a, me- a meeting that's fixed, and it could be like ten o'clock, so ten p.m. So the yeah, other could be a very big challenge, right? Uh huh. But I think um, developer product manager relationship, I think it actually got better mm-hmm. because I do remember that time Twitter trends was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, product managers and developers are the worst. <laughs> the worst people to be together. <laughs> I think that that was trending. Um, is it post? Right. It, post is actually before likes. Before likes. Before um, if you say post pandemic, okay, post pandemic. I um, I think it is uh, after the pandemic happened, right? And moving forward, you can check it up. Okay, I think it's pre. Pre pandemic. Yeah. Okay, so then before yeah pandemic. before the pandemic yeah okay. Okay. um those trends were like very popular mm-hmm. i even had a, a personal experience with um, my product manager at god carpenter she's she's very great and all stuff but i yeah. think um at some point it was i was choked up with a whole lot of work mm-hmm. i was handling um I had, at that point in time, I actually became a full-stack developer, so I was handling a whole lot of products, yeah. a lot of projects, I could switch between three to four projects a day. Mm-hmm. So keeping track of all of those things mm-hmm. was very, very um, stressful, right. and it gave me a whole lot of migraines. Now, having her, her as a person, she was constantly um, checking up on me, and I think that caused like a whole lot of friction between us. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. At that point in time, it was a very big issue. But um, I've actually had to work with product managers too. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know why I should say post. There's no post pandemic because I'm still the pandemic. Yeah. But remotely, I've actually had to work with mm. um, product managers, and trust me, working remotely with them is a little bit more exciting because. I think people have to take um, understanding to a whole different level right. when you're working remotely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to um, compensate, and 
I think there's this thing that is, that is with um, people that you when you want to speak to someone face to face, there is this you can always read someone's facial um, expression. Expression. Yeah. Okay. And depending on how someone expresses it, you actually give a reactive you give a reaction to that yeah. which might not actually be favorable. So but once you actually lose the whole facial expressions, you know, I think you're left with um, intonations. Intonations. And you can't really like yeah. tell why what the person is saying is being sarcastic or is being critic right. being a critic or something, yeah. So, um, in the about the product management role and um, how they manage, I've I've had um I've thought about a, um, a product management role, right? And product managers and how they manage both creatives and developers. And um, product management to me doesn't feel like an entry level role, right? Yeah. yeah. Because again, uh, I've had like a couple of product managers as entry level product managers that don't really understand the technicalities of what we do and the timelines that I, are supposed to be a lot um, given up. Yeah, I think yeah. before I think before you actually continue, right. I think as a product manager, you should know, um, as a product manager, mm. you should know what kind of product do you want to handle. Okay. Yeah, so you can see that you're on a um, fintech product manager, so you're you research solely on on fintech um, yeah financial tech and um, financial products for technology okay yeah so i think that's where some product managers will have issues mm. because they want to they want to um cover all products all products yeah. yes and i think as if, if you want to be a product manager i think your certificate is a plus Okay. Because say for example now you graduated as an agricultural student mm. and you want to be a product manager in agricultural sector. Right. It's easier for you to actually manage those products because you understand the agricultural I system and how it works. Yeah. But so, you're, again you're looking at the technicalities, you're like you're managing technical people. Technical people mm-hmm. um communicate with um communicate with functionality, stacks yeah. and all of these things. Yeah. Right. So you're not just managing the actual product. You're managing the functions, you're yeah. managing the stats, you're managing all of that, right? How at what level do you, uh, at what point do you guys come to like meet where he's able to like have communicate like communicate the product requirements and all of those things with you? Okay, so I think um, I think I just have to walk you through the process of getting a product started. Okay. So as the um when a product comes in, the okay. first thing they do. Or as a company, what you actually do is to brainstorm on it. Yeah. Sure. Now, as a product manager, during the brainstorming session, you have to pick up key points and break them down into mm-hmm. later future tasks. Yeah. Okay. So, for example, um, they want to work on a logistic company. Mm-hmm. They have to first of all get what the client mm-hmm. wants right. and what your company can actually do to fix that. And mm-hmm. um, where does your UI designer comes in? Where does your developer comes in? Yeah. And um, probably marketing because as a product manager, I think you might actually have to manage or oversee marketing. Right. So from there, you actually, I think the, the um, a product manager is mm-hmm. very important because if the product manager misses stacks, then it's very easy for developers to miss stacks. Right. So in the technical aspect of it, I think um, a product manager has to have a little experience on. Um, user experience and um, development. I'm talking in the te- as a technical product manager. So because 
And there's this thing that developers are very good at convincing people that they're actually doing a very good job. You get so as a technical manager, you have to be able to um, see through that rules and mm-hmm. get those tasks delivered. Mm-hmm. Now, I think at some point a product manager has to be strict. Okay. Yeah, has to be strict. Now, but not that extremely strict because if you're extremely strict, it causes friction. As I told you, I think yeah. I've told you that story before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think that's it. Right. I I totally understand that. So I I feel like that answers a question that someone um asked me once about um product management because based on my knowledge of product management, I'm not really aware of the field, but I advise that it's not an entry level um, it's not an entry level career path. So. Yeah, you know that people um as a product manager, you have to have a whole lot of certifications, mm. like take product management courses on like Udemy because mm-hmm. um, I think we, I remember the time we were actually waiting for product managers mm-hmm. A plus was actually having a lot of certificates wow. because it means you actually understand the technicalities, the technicalities of so. yeah so right so um, recently I you talked you told me about your how you've moved into the um, crypto space and um, you're building crypto products too Right, I feel like it's an interesting area to explore. Um, can you walk us through your um, reasons for making that decision? Okay, I think I actually told you that I was bored out with um, what I was actually working on yeah. at my former company. It was, I think it was like streamlined and streamlined continuously, so I had to switch over. Mm-hmm. And I had a whole lot of options. I had um, going to machine learning, going to um, artificial intelligence mm. and so many other stuff. But I think I, I, I made the choice of going to the crypto space because of the environment I'm actually in. So okay. the top things that are actually working right now in the tech space in Nigeria mm. is either you're a web developer, yeah. you are a, you're into fake fintech right. or you're into crypto. Right. And crypto is like... Um, Blockchain development, I think I have to change it to blockchain development, is still at its early stage in Nigeria and there's a whole lot of opportunities there. Yeah. So I think I, I thought of actually seizing that and working in going to it and yeah. I think the goal is to manage her. It's to manage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But um now there is this form of structure that Nigeria lacks. Mm-hmm. in the crypto space yeah. because um, a whole lot of people focus more on monetizing crypto and they are saved from products a whole lot of foreign products and we don't actually create a whole lot of um, Nigerian products that actually um, takes advantage of the blockchain you get so for example um, NFTs that a whole lot of Nigerians are adopted it's still um, foreign companies that own them yeah, right. now I have nothing against them, but I think if you actually want to step into Nigeria, you have to have a different mentality of how Nigeria works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our art forms, our music is very different. So, why can't our NFT platform be different? Be different yeah. Right. yeah, so I actually went into that mindset that Nigeria needs to own products right. that are Nigerian based that can actually adapt to the Nigerian space. Nigerian space. Yeah. Right. 
So that is uh, a very long. I think that conversation can be stretched as much as because uh, again we have like a lot of Nigerian product that are sold out to um, <laughs> foreign um, foreign investors or foreign companies, right? And mm-hmm. and also there are custom products that are here in Nigeria created for Nigeria, but they are owned by Chinese people uh, or owned by Americans. So I feel like okay, yeah, Nigerians can create that solution, but other people might all that i think i think the option is either we create it for ourselves or other people are obviously going to i, I think um, nigeria create. doesn't the reason the reason why nigerians sell out right um or they collaborate with foreign um, companies is because oh. we don't have um um venture capitals in nigeria okay. like place and um, companies that could ventures that could actually um fund product i guess right. so um, I create a product and I want funding. I, I, there's not really that um, strong. I don't know if there are a couple of them because I haven't actually researched. Mm. But we don't have that very massive funding companies that could actually go into serious funding. Serious funding. Yeah. yeah, for companies. So I think the best choice for most of the companies is actually to go out and, go out and yeah. get funding outside, yeah. which in a way it's also a sellout because when the contracts are being written they are not in the constraints of Nigerian laws mm-hmm. that might be a plus but um, I don't know but at the end of the day you um, you you, you, lose, you actually you, you actually it actually means that yeah your product is not really Nigerian owned again like yeah you Kong, can say like Konga Konga is um, is it Konga or Jumia it's no longer a Nigerian product right yeah. um, I don't think any of them is a Nigerian product like a lot of them right that we Nigerian product they are no longer Nigerian products anymore they are yeah. um, foreign owned so I think I don't I won't actually fully blame the companies mm. yeah as I said before it's most like, mostly, mostly funding it's yeah. very difficult to get funding in Nigeria for your product yeah. and if you actually end up getting funding it's not that it's not something that can sustain your company for a while alright yeah because um, we have this system where most of the things that most of the money that comes out it has to be political based right yeah and a whole lot of people don't won't want their companies to be run to by politicians or by the government right. or their policies their company policies to be made by the government so mm-hmm. The sellout is more like, do you want to sell out to a government, or you want to the government, or you want to collaborate with a private company mm. that might actually suit your interest or understand your interest, yeah. right. or share your interest, yeah. Right. I certainly uh, agree with that, and also I have like reservations, personal reservations, because um, ownership is like one of the major things that that helps drive economy right mm-hmm. in the sense that we don't like own products anymore like industry is selling out right um and hmm. what are they selling out to i i i think they are they are currently bidding i don't i don't think i think we have to google that out right so industry is like the own, one of the only financial product that we have that i like think that it was is like the backbone of um the financial products because mm-hmm. i think they are like they interwove all the APIs mm-hmm. um, for those that don't know APIs that is um, application program interface which yeah. literally everybody uses to communicate between each other yeah so I think they interwove the APIs for most of the banking systems in Nigeria 
right. and using one um, central system, mm-hmm. um, companies like Paystar can actually have access to those APIs. APIs okay. Yeah. So I think they are like they, they control the financial the um, internet finance of Nigeria. Of Nigeria. Yeah. Right. So um, selling those those um, businesses out again, the people that you're selling it out to, those people are not. As as we said, as we think, right? We I think they are internet savvy, com, um, computer savvy, or com, or um, corporations that are really advocating for. But these guys are like I my thoughts, right? These guys are like uh, drug dealers that are trying to run their money through Silicon Valley companies, right? Or okay. some of these companies, so they don't really care about the product so much. They just care about how they how to make, make money. Yeah, how how to make their money back, and then put putting them on the board of the company. They either kill you, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously like kick you out um subsequently, yeah. right? So it's still a sellout, anyways. I think Nigerians are. Um, Imagine what they did to Uber. They had to kick him out of his company. Yeah. Um, they blackmailed um, the CEO of Facebook. I still feel like a CEO of Twitter. I still feel like it's a blackmail. Okay. Right. As much as we have reasons for um, him stepping out from. I think companies like um, Nigerian companies right now, I think they are moved by um, the amount that's being called out. Right. Yeah. So, say for example, Paystack, right? Mm-hmm. Which was bought recently by Stripe. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think the deal was actually a two hundred million dollar deal. If I'm correct. So look at this two hundred million dollar deal. Who funded them initially? It's still Stripe, right? Yeah. So now they are coming back with two hundred million dollars. Do you know how much space that gave them initially, when they when they funded them at first? How and how many percent space that gave out? Right, probably Pesta gave out like thirty to fifty percent. Okay, so Stripe is still yes. Mm-hmm. So Stripe is still taking fifty percent of that same two hundred million. Um, I I think this the seller was more like um. So I think the way I understand how they acquire companies, okay, is that they don't actually um give you the full money. They don't like push out all the cash to you. Mm-hmm. So instead they buy shares mm-hmm. and um, then they give you a certain amount of cash. They fund your um, bank, that's the owners of the companies. Right. So they could be like a twenty million era and twenty million dollars. Okay. While the rest of them is shares. So they could own shares in the company worth the many amounts of money. Mm-hmm. So and then at the same time, um based on you guys contracts mm-hmm. that is the deal, you could actually remain as a CEO right. or you could be a board member. Yeah. So uh, in a way they don't they didn't give back money to um, the owners drive yeah so the money still belongs to to the company the company mm-hmm. now they just own shares what the amount oh, that is sold out, yeah. sold out. Yeah. but now um stripe is now the parents company right they could keep their staff which i think it tells to the deal right. but they could actually let go of them but i think i think in the case of um paystack mm-hmm. they actually bought um the market space Okay. In the sense of, they ha- really had no one that could actually match Paystack in Nigeria. Right. I think Flutterwave was the only competition, and Flutterwave already was, I think, was going really high up on PayPal. They had some deals with PayPal and stuff, yeah. So the other option they had was um, Paystack. Mm-hmm. So they went with Paystack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So which uh, uh, brings back what we talked about like um, earlier before this conversation, how they have to come and buy your API instead of moving into your city as PayPal and all of that. Yeah, because there's no PayPal in Nigeria now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, I think, yeah, instead of them actually like overtaking, which is going to be a very long struggle. Yeah. In fact, they can actually take the easy way out, which is buy out the product. Mm. or collaborate I, I don't think a lot of companies like collaborating they mm. just want to own it that they can make the decisions for the company alright so uh, have you thought of the uh, metaverse space and um, how you can build on that do you think it's um, too early to start thinking about it and start building on that okay I think the metaverse has existed for a very long time Oh. I am actually looking forward to when the world was finally ready to um, push on it, like be serious about it for a while. But yeah, the, I think the metaverse is a very big concept, and I I think I should come back to Nigeria because Nigerians in a way haven't really um, fully imagined mm-hmm. the prospects or what the metaverse can actually do. In the metaverse is basically you building um another world right yeah, yeah. and the way um i understand technology yeah. when the internet initially came out mm-hmm. right they we have been mapped in the sense of they have been creating composites of us for a very long time creating um creating a background of each and every one of us like archetypes yeah yeah, yeah. To know exactly our behavioral pattern and then mm-hmm. creating avatars which we can actually use to converse in the metaverse. Okay. So the metaverse is like you carrying a duplicate of yourself and going to another world. Now a virtual world. Okay. Yeah. So you can go shopping, you can do um own a house, buy land. There are um there are companies or products that actually allows you to buy lands, virtual lands. Um, using um, the blockchain blockchain technology, yeah. So I think the metaverse is actually very huge, wow. and in the next ten years, I think we'll be so wrapped up. You you could actually be in the metaverse and and forget that it's actually reality. Forget right. reality. Quality, yeah. In that sense, now I think people also have to be very cautious of the metaverse because the the detail of graphics that goes into um, the metaverse is going to be almost perfect in no time because i think i actually watch a whole lot of youtube videos and i've seen how people can create near realistic landscapes and mm-hmm. and and there's this vr game that in physics that their physics is almost as perfect as in the physics of our world all right so i imagine implementing that in the metaverse where you can jump and it takes the same amount of time for you to land, you to land based yeah. on the distance where you can jump and um, you can feel the effects of gravity right. and um, and also um, VRs that cover horrors. Okay. Yeah, I think you have seen these videos of people that are like screaming when they're in VR and horrors. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that is super realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at some point it might even give you, a, depending on how strong you are or how weak you are, yeah. I, I don't know how you function. You might even have a PTSD from that. Right. Yeah, that experience. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if the graphics are that super realistic, mm. 
then people need to be cautious. Yeah. If you need to be conscious in the way you should, in the way that you shouldn't avoid the technology because I think um what people have done or Nigerians have done is um adopt technology late. Right. Yes. So <clears throat> instead of being cautious in the way that you shouldn't adopt technology late, okay. but instead um be precautious about what to do and be aware of how to um use the metaverse to benefit you mm-hmm. yeah so in the sense of you can have meetings in the metaverse you can have a fun time gaming you can um, i think in the future you can actually like have a um a virtual invasion of space in case you are afraid of height and mm-hmm. what space looks like you can there are flight simulations and those kinds of things. There are a lot of cool, cool stuff you can actually do in the metaverse, yes. So if you are not that strong enough to um, adopt the gaming section where you have to have horror, um, super realistic, and, and if you know you are one that is very obsessed to things because the metaverse will be very obsessive, yeah. then I think you should time yourself or totally avoid it. Yeah. But the technology of the metaverse is cool, is is a very perfect concept. Right. I think that existed for a very, very long time. It's going to soon be our reality very soon. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, at the depth you you are aware of the space, I think it's really applicable. So that's cool. Um so moving forward I feel like um what we really need to have right is um guiding principles to navigate through the tech space and the hour um and navigate through life itself right so that we know okay how far this is how far we can go and this is what is guiding my actions and this is what is guiding where you have all these ethical codes and all of those things and and, uh, yeah but um what do you hold up as um, a guiding principle as a person all right Okay, so I think um, as a developer, right. I think your code yeah. has the ability to um, either uplift or ruin a lot of lives. Right. Yeah, so say if, take for example, you're in the, in the tech community and you're a developer. For Paystack, you could, um, with what you write, the yeah. code you write, yeah. crash the whole of Paystack. You can make people lose a lot of money, which, as you know, money leads to a whole lot of depression and um, pointing on fingers and all of that. And so, yeah. as a developer, you have to have this ethics to, or you have to have this urge mm-hmm. or these beliefs to actually write clean codes. Right. It's called clean codes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know that um, what you actually have to write or the codes you need to write mm-hmm. has to follow a particular pattern, yeah. has to be very security and. Um, Secure, yeah. has to be very secure, right. and um, and at the end of the day, it has to be user friendly. Right. So, so that it's very easy for people to actually navigate, mm-hmm. and people can actually trust the products that you're actually writing. Right. Yeah. So for me, I think um, I'm almost a perfectionist oh. in my code. Yeah. I think it's if, if for people that actually know me. You could actually see that while I'm writing code, I actually do a whole lot of indexing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is one step in my perfectionism. But I don't believe in like being very perfect. I just believe in achieving the best. Best. Yeah. yeah. So 
I um, cross check code, do unit testing, mm-hmm. and um, I think I believe in people who are actually giving comments yeah. on how to better do this, or how to better write, or how to better um, go about writing a particular code. Okay. So I'm I'm always open to comment, okay. and I think that is one thing you also have as a developer. Yeah, as a guiding principle, we have to be open to comment, mm-hmm. to critics, and um, yeah, you just have to try and be better. Right. Yeah, clean codes, be open to comment, to suggestions, and always try to achieve the best. Right. So, that's, that's amazing. So, uh, I moving forward, I want to start asking this question um, about how we all relate to failures and. Um, because I feel like our generation, we are very, we're not really informed about um, how life really is, right? And um, how to actually prepare for failure because of how, based on the information that we have been fed over time, we feel like, okay, uh, a clear, this is a clear path to success. And uh, when I do this and do that and do this other one in this time frame, right? Which mm-hmm. is obviously really short because our generation, is looking for a win quick scheme, right? Yeah. So um based on this and this and that and that, if I do this I'm going to succeed. And over time we have seen like a lot of people fell on that path of winning quick. Yeah. Right. But however, um what's your relationship with so failure? Have you failed in any area before and um how do you in how do you, how did you navigate that um, okay. less? Um I think we actually go through my in workmail, we see a whole lot of rejection. <laughs> yeah. Right, like that's one reality that everybody yeah. has to like, please. Bro, my, my, my rejection mails are, are, are piled up. Right. And um, I think it's a normal thing for Nigerians to. Let me not, let me talk, let me not talk Nigeria. Right. At some point, when I actually work for a while, I was asked to waste and uh, like take a month of break. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 made, I had this realization that if I take a break for a while, mm-hmm. I um, lose a lot of money. You lose a lot of money? Yeah. In the sense of I actually go broke and, and I have to find new things to do to actually put me back on my face. Yeah. So going back to the um, rejection mails, I think at first it was very difficult accepting rejections right. so um i think at that point in time when i actually started mm-hmm. i kind of like built a shell yeah, yeah? so i <coughs> i stopped applying for jobs mm-hmm. rather i preferred to have ref- um, referrals. referrals yeah but i think over time i discovered that for you to actually achieve a lot of things mm-hmm. you need to fail like um, i remember when before i actually could Writes a part or actually succeeded in a particular code. Okay. I actually um, wrote 146, I think 146 instances of that code wow. that were wrong. Now, I didn't realize that it was actually wrong. I didn't actually realize that I actually wrote wrong codes 146 times. And so I went to my database and then um, I went to my database and then I saw that there were different. 116 different, 146 different records oh. that were wrong. And it was 147 times that I was actually correct. And I was so excited for the 
and I actually achieved it. Mm-hmm. That one round forty six errors went away. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't relevant at all that I have failed right. one round forty six times. Well, you yeah. obvious to you that uh, bro, you're writing like this instance for one round forty six times and it's going wrong. I think you wouldn't be comfortable pushing. Yeah, so I think that that error lasted for two days, and in those two days I felt too little. Oh, yeah, no. like. I felt like a, a total failure. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm not a very angry person. And so if I actually want to um, react to me actually not achieving things, I end up going very quiet. Yeah. So I didn't answer anybody. I was like, just on my own, please leave me alone. I'm failing right now, so nobody should stop me. <laughs> I'm failing right now, so nobody should stop me. Right. Yeah. So um, I went very quiet, and I I was so displeased with myself. I had inferiority complex, and a whole lot of things. So, but I discovered that when I actually won, when I actually completed a food, it wasn't important how many times I failed. Now I have this thing of I don't actually accept failures a lot and I, I don't accept me failing now reje- someone rejecting me is not really termed as a failure yeah yeah because um it might be a failure anyway but i actually keep applying and applying and applying and applying for jobs yeah. right but i don't actually accept failures so in as much as i fell one hundred forty six times and didn't want to stop i could keep going for years and years until I achieve my goals. Right. So I think that is a positive way of actually handling things. Yeah. Um, don't accept failures. But at the same time, um, as a developer, it's very important to debug. Now, debugging is more like finding out where your issue is. Okay. I didn't discover that in the early stage. And I think this applies to life, for, regardless of if you're a developer. Now, if you actually fail at something, it, as my boss will actually tell me, some logo. Um, go to the beginning, go to the top, where did you start from? Right. And try to find out where exactly it's actually breaking, where you're, you fell, where it actually fails. So more like, um, I mean, I'm trying to bring out a, a life, life scenario. Yeah, life scenario. You, um, say for example, you're cooking food. Yeah. yeah? You felt at the state where you, your maggi was too much in your soup. Yeah, your seasoning was too much. Right. So you know you actually have debugged and found out that, hey, my seasoning was too much. So next time reduce your seasoning. Right. Yeah. So it might be that next time water is too much. Yeah. And it's not like drowning everything. Next time reduce water. Mm-hmm. And over time, the more you keep adjusting and fixing those codes, mm-hmm. fixing those issues, you end up with a perfect soup. Okay. The same thing applies to code. So you keep debugging. You have to f- don't just like give up and say ah. That food was not sweet, so next time, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm good at cooking a fang soup or cooking this food that you want to cook, right? But instead, accept, um, accept to actually find out where you went wrong yeah. and try to fix that. So I think that helped me a whole lot in, in facing life as a whole and also as a developer. I don't accept failures, so yeah. I think that really puts it into... That puts it um things to perspective, so um people can also really um listen to these stories and share, and then and then tie back their experience to see how well they can improve. You can improve your life, right? I think 
I've had a couple of failed, um, failed, um, what do they call it? Applications, right? <laughs> a lot, a lot of them. I've had lots of them, right? I feel like I think I think I think some companies are just like um helping to you know, like issuing out rejection mail. Rejection mail. I think there was a rejection mail I received. Like it woke me up from sleep. <laughs> right. So right. I saw my email and I was like, the company I applied for. I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. This this could be good and then as well. So they wrote a whole lot of texts and then the name dropped. Do you actually go through the whole text? I don't yeah, go yeah, through yeah. the whole text. I just get to the, the end <laughs> of the. I read it and then I, I got to the point where they said, unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm oh. ruined. You guys are ruined my money. <laughs> yeah, so, it's crazy that a company said sent it around two of eight. Mm. <laughs> It just ruins your day. <laughs> it ruins your I day. Like, how is your voice to sleep? I think it was a day that I actually had like two to three rejection mails. So, mm-hmm. now the thing is that mm-hmm. I was like, I got the rejection mail and my decision would go down. I'm going to go down. And then something uplifts my mood. Right. And then in the middle of the afternoon, yeah. Mid afternoon, right. send another rejection mail. And I'm like, I just go down. Like, they just made play with my emotions all through the day because it was so annoying. Yeah. So, so annoying. The reality is it's reality we have to face. Yeah, and then I think Nigerians Nigerian companies are they have gotten perfect at issuing <laughs> rejection mail. Rejection mail. But I actually prefer applying for that's it for US foreign I, I, I agree with that because I've like gone through a, a couple of um acceptance system process mm-hmm. for some companies. What happens is my thought is that HR officers don't want to be held responsible for hiring the wrong um, staff, yeah. right? So what they do is they put out this rule, put out this rule on job boards, and then they ask their fellow colleague, do you have anybody that would like to fit in this this rule? Yeah. So someone in the company will refer someone. Mm-hmm. So now they have, they, have, they, have, they have moved the responsibility of hiring the person to this person and say, okay, this is your response. This is your, your referral, yeah. right? That means obviously you're the one that refers the mm-hmm. wrong person to the company yeah. and then they have more confidence in internal referral than um, all the people that are going to apply through the job board and all of that so. okay um i think my pick on that is more like um <laughs> nigerian company <laughs> like i don't know <clears throat> i think now as a, a um as a hr someone is hiring I think they are sometimes always misinformed mm-hmm. by people they actually um, ask for tips or research, they use to research. So for example now, if a um, manager wants to hire, mm-hmm. I think the first person, the first people she talk to, uh, if she wants to hire a developer, the first people she talk to are in-house developers, right? Now, as an in-house developer, you um, you have this urge to want to create like max stacks, right? right? And then um, and then you pick up random questions on the internet and feed it to the what's max stacks? Okay, like and um, pick up stacks are kind of difficult. Oh, yeah, max it out. I said oh. max stacks. Okay, right. So you max it out, yeah, and. Um, now the way I understand this thing is that no one actually has um no one is a library of knowledge. Right. Yeah. So when you ask random questions like um I think I had this interview where they asked me how to um 
it was a JavaScript um, interview and the, the person was instead instead of actually having me to build a product, which I think would have been very product and very best um, okay, he went into the core of um Node.js. Yeah, Node.js is a um, framework or a virtual I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, he went into Node.js and picked up some um, complex questions, pipelining, it's not pipelining in the surface of it, but yeah, there are complex questions. Now, I actually could understand how to go about writing pipelines in Node.js, mm-hmm. but the, um, how do you call it, the wordings, like what the um, computer science calls it, is more like something I didn't go into research on. Yeah. So when he was asking those questions, he was like, um, what is the big O and all those big, big, crazy questions. It was difficult to actually answer them. Now, I actually gave him a um, question of my own about concerning what he asked me. And he was like, oh, okay, let me break it down for you. And when he actually broke it down, like, oh, you're talking about um, how to pipeline and how to do multiple streams. And I was like, yes. And I was like, so why did you ask me, why did you use all these big um, yeah. grammars for me? And you're like, and you were like, okay, let's, so you understand the concept? And I was like, yeah, I understand the concept. You get Now, I think um, as a, I'm hiring in Nigeria because of the way, is the way most developers were actually um, brought up in Nigeria. They didn't have, they didn't go through that whole process of, um, a lot of developers in Nigeria are not computer science students. Or some, let's just say 50-50 are not computer science students. So they didn't, they don't understand the um, computational terms for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean they are not very good at their, they are very, very good at um, writing codes and delivering very world-class products. But it's difficult for them to actually understand those computational terms. Yeah. I won't I won't actually tell it to everybody. I'm th- talking about my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if for example I am given a product to work on, yeah, as a test, they told me to build a a mini and um, e-commerce website or to build a logistic company yeah. website back in fronting. I will structure it very beautifully. Yeah. Well, and then if for example you gave me a um, online test to yeah. take, yeah. Where you told me to write algorithms, I would do that very beautifully. But once you, we, there's always this pressure that comes with interviews, and now already the developers have given the hiring manager questions to ask, and um, they probably have a time frame of when to, how to answer those questions one minute, two minutes short. So now, if you don't actually have the answer in my head, I know that they have actually ticked it off. That you don't actually know the answer to that. You might know the answer to that, right? But based on the fact that um, the hiring manager is not well informed, I'm talking the aspect of Nigeria right now, is not well informed on um, what's to, um, how to go about simplifying the question if the developer doesn't get that. That is a minus for the developer. Yeah. yeah? So I think um, for Nigeria, they should actually have more. Um, developers do the hiring um, yeah, process and I think I actually experienced that with some of some jobs that I applied for 
because I know that a developer have set out those questions right. or set out those tests because of the way the, the tests and questions are structured. Right. Yeah. But then you can but then if it's just a higher manager then you know the kind of questions there. Yeah, so yeah. there should be more developer and um, as a developer of and um, when you're hiring developers should have more developers on the hiring process. Yeah. So I think that is the advantage that the um um foreigners actually have. Mm. Because now the addition is more um as a developer they streamline everything to development okay. and they ask questions that are within your um application requirements. Alright. So uh thanks Kenneth for sharing that. Uh so the con the conversation still continues in the comment section. So whatever you think about any area that we discussed and we talked about, you can drop your comment and your thought about it. So we can keep um talking about tech and keep talking about um how to move um the tech partners or tech bros forward or the tech ecosystem forward. Right. So um Kenneth, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm nice. going to catch up with you some other time. All right, All thank right. you very much for having me. All right, yeah. So we're <laughs> signing out. Yeah. Okay. All right.